You can now subscribe and save 20% off with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. Two, three, four, six, or eight weeks are your options, and they'll send that stuff straight to your door. You won't have to put in your credit card information ever again. You won't have to worry about when you need to go get coffee. In fact, I just ran out of coffee this morning, so I need to take my own advice here and get in on a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. DNVR20 is the code if you just want to try out Strava Craft Coffee for the first time, or you can come on down to the DNVR bar and have some of the Strava Craft Coffee cold brew that we have on tap there, ice cold and delicious. So check out Strava Craft Coffee and consider subscribing to get sent to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. start a podcast shout out pleasure horse I, like it gets better every time i don't know how I, I don't know even know how they do it uh but great way uh, that is a great way to start your friday or any day it's a fantastic way man this is gonna be a feel good friday i can tell already i can tell i i, I can't wait to hear zach predict the broncos win it's gonna be awesome <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh it, welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver online. MSUdenver.edu slash online is the website. Check out all they have to offer. We're talking 750 total classes, all sorts of different hybrid programs that you can do. Whatever you're interested in, if you're interested in furthering your education in that area, MSU Denver online can help with rigorous and affordable programs that bring the real world into the classroom. So check them out today at msudenver.edu slash online. My boys, what's up? Happy Friday, man. We are finally here, Chiefs Week. And guys, the Broncos have a huge opportunity in 48 hours to really grab the NFL by the or by, grab the NFL world and say, what's up? We're here. We're ready to compete. I like how... Um, I do an intro to the podcast, and Zach does an intro to the podcast. <laughs> I think Mace needs to start having his own intro to the podcast. Mace, you need a catchphrase that your wife makes up that you, she thinks that you say, even though you don't, and then we start saying it. Yeah, you know what that catchphrase would be? It's it's something that she tells me to stop saying because now my daughter says it. It's if I'm frustrated. Oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe you just say, screw this, screw this, screw this. What a perfect drop from a producer Allie. Yeah, th- uh, this is why this is why we have a a great producer like Allie behind the scenes. Otherwise, this otherwise this train wouldn't leave the station. That was a, the timing was impeccable. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, so I'll intro the podcast. Zach says, "My boys." May says, "Screw this," and then we can go. Um, by the way, Zach, I was thinking about that. Maybe 
uh, that's just something you say in the morning, like when you, you know, go into the bathroom or something. <laughs> wow. Takes a peek down and just, my <laughs> when I'm going to the bathroom, <laughs> maybe my, my, uh, my girlfriend does say I do some weird things in my sleep. So maybe it's something I do in my sleep. Mm, could be, could be. <laughs> uh, all right, let's jump in to this breakdown of the Chiefs game. Like you said, Zach, massive opportunity at hand here for the Broncos. And at two and three, I don't think anyone really believes in the Broncos right now, um, nationally at least. Uh, you know, all the haters, the Nick Wrights of the world, um, still believe they are right about the Broncos. And I think if they won, if they win this week, they'll have matched uh, his win prediction for the whole season. And wouldn't that be sweet if they did it against his Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, um, I've got the tweet ready if it happens. Uh, oh. <laughs> Since he's already tweeted at me for ripping him, I am. <laughs> it is sitting, it is on my desktop, it is poised <laughs> for a hopeful upset on Sunday when I can say, hi, Nick. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I do yeah. know that you're going to get to use that tweet eventually. Uh, mm. So that that's nice to have. Um, we've talked a little bit about what the game plan looks like for this team on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think we've talked enough about it offensively. So we'll, we'll circle back to the defense, but I want to start on offense. And Zach, I'll start with you. What do you think is the plan? What would be your plan to not, not only attack this Chiefs defense, but the funny thing about the Chiefs is you always have to be thinking about their offense, whether you're on offense or defense. So how would you want to attack this defense, and how would you use your offense to try and mitigate what they do on their offense? The Broncos have to have the same mindset that they had against the Patriots last week, and that is ultra aggressiveness and now the Broncos may not have the lead in the fourth quarter so they can keep that aggression going in the fourth quarter without getting bashed for it uh, and that's what they need to do now it doesn't just mean deep shots down the field it means just not not being afraid to use your best plays use the plays that you want to use and it's going to come all around the field it's going to come in the middle of the field with your tight ends with Noah Fant and Alberto loved that Pat Shermer committed himself to that yesterday. I love that. Really looks like Alberto is going to be uh, active this week, even with Noah Fant back. You got to take shots to Jerry Judy on the outside. Also, Tim Patrick as well. He's proved that he's a player. And then use Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon on the field at the exact same time. I think that's an aggressive mindset, and I love that. I, I think we're going to see all of this this week. But just because you're playing the Chiefs, don't just think, okay, we just have to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. We just have to run the ball three times in a row. We have to run this clock. No, do what you're going to do because I know Mace disagrees, but I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think you're going to win this game by controlling the clock. You're going you're to win this game by, uh, by keeping up with the Chiefs offense, and you're not going to do that by not playing your game. Yeah, and I don't think that this offense is at a point where it's capable of keeping up with the Chiefs if they're attacking and being aggressive. So you've got to be judicious. You need some long drives. You need to control the clock. You need to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. And pref and preferably, you need to make sure that you, you've got the ball for 35 minutes because very few and look very few teams have done that to the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes starting but the ones that have controlled the ball for 35 minutes they're 6 and 1 against the against the Chiefs maybe you've got a deep shot here and there but this uh, this needs to be a 
in the parlance of Hank Stram, a matriculate the ball down the field game. And yeah, you can use Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay at the same time. But this game, if the Broncos are doing what they need to do to win, they need some drives that consume five minutes. They need some third down conversions that can come out of third and short. They they need consistently five yards, six yards, five yards, seven yards, and they need to stay on schedule. And the key, a key to that is making sure that on first down, let's say you decide to take a shot and be aggressive and have Drew Locke go back to throw. Well, you can't have him holding the ball so long to where you're running the risk of having a sack or having some other play that knocks you off schedule. Yeah, and Mace H-Town Bronco chiming in as well says, Locke won't win in a shootout. I love Locke. But let's be real, kind of going along with what you're yeah. saying, Mace. And my counter to that is you're not beating Patrick Mahomes if you don't get in a shootout. Patrick Mahomes is 28 or maybe, yeah, I think 28 and two in the 30 games where the cheat where, where the opponent has not scored 31 points or more. So when when you play a close game in the 20s, you're not winning. Patrick Mahomes is not going to lose to you. However, when you do beat them, it's by getting in a shootout. And it seems crazy to say that. And that's why I'm saying, you know, let Patrick Mahomes beat you. Don't let them be two-dimensional. It goes against everything you would think. I feel crazy saying it for a third day in a row. But when opposing teams score 31 or more points against the Chiefs, the Chiefs are 3-8. and eight. So to me, I mean, it goes against everything you would think. But do that. And a reason why they're able to get those points is because they're able to have long drives. I mean, you look at the games that the Chiefs lose with with Patrick with with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and look at their time of and look at their time of possession. It's 29 37, 2351, 2442, 2458, 2749, 2053. The outlier is Tennessee with Derrick Henry last year uh, when the game in Nashville, not the AFC championship game, when the when the Chiefs held the ball for 37-52. So you've you've got to be able to score points, but you've got to do it in a way that plays keep away from the Chiefs and keeps Patrick Mahomes standing there on the sideline with his helmet under his arm rather than going out there. If this if the Broncos in attempt to be aggressive go three and out, that's killer. That's what they've got to avoid. Man, uh you both make some really convincing points and I don't think you can really say anything here without feeling crazy because <laughs> if you're Zach, you know, you're, you feel crazy because you're saying, you know, you're going against conventional wisdom, but I feel crazy because I'm going against what the numbers are telling us, which is, you know, Zach's plan here. I just think uh, you you have to possess the ball. Now you can possess the ball and score 30 points. And so maybe that's, you know, the perfect, uh, the perfect scenario here is you have long, drawn-out drives that end in touchdowns. It's what the Raiders did. Yes, exactly. Uh, and but, but at the same time, what changed that game for the Raiders is a bomb touchdown uh, to Henry Ruggs at the end of the first half, and then I think they got another one later in the game. So <laughs> there's no perfect answer to this, uh, and it's be- and that's why the Chiefs hardly ever lose. Because, you know, teams that are easy to game plan for uh, get game planned against and they lose. Uh, I will say this, though. I just I do think you have to run the ball. I think you need to keep your defense off the field. Uh, and I think all of that can go together. I think there is a, a mesh point between these plans where it meets up. Um, but, Zach, 
I think you're right. You can't be afraid uh, to create big plays. You know, that's just silly. You, They're going to have to go and be aggressive. And I loved what Pat Shermer said yesterday. I absolutely loved it. He said, you know, we thought we could be aggressive in this game uh, last week, and I think that's the way we need to be every week. I was like, the best thing I've ever heard him say, I'm like, yes, please continue to be aggressive. Love seeing Drew Locke go downfield in one-on-one matchups. Um, and they're going to have to do that again in this week. So I, I think there's a meeting point in the middle. But I do I do lean towards, you know, possession being very important. Converting, you know, three or four third downs on one drive. Going out there and having a seven-minute scoring drive I think could be really, really important for the momentum in the game. Yeah, and and th- there's no doubt that the the best thing, the best game plan against the Chiefs is just combining everything that we're all saying in terms of long drives, and he also hit on big plays, and that's what the Raiders were able <clears throat> to do. They had some long sustained drives, but they hit two 60-yard touchdown passes in that game. That's aggression right there. Now the Broncos, they have the formula on offense to be able to do both of these things. They have the big time playmakers in Jerry Judy, Noah Fan, Alberto to make these big plays when you need them. And they also have the guys in Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay to grind it out uh, when you do that as well. So the Broncos have the formula there, but are they going to be the team that's kicking six field goals when they're in scoring range? Or, you know, on the opposite side, if they were to have scored touchdowns on all six of those possessions last week, that's 40 points. That beats the Chiefs. That's exactly what the Oakland Raiders did a couple of weeks ago. If you meet in the middle and you get three and three, you're at 30 points. And you're right there. Maybe maybe you'll lose by one or two points, but you are right there with the Kansas City Chiefs. And also, if you score 30, you're giving yourself a pretty good shot as well. So the Broncos don't need to be perfect. They don't need to go six for six. But they can't go anywhere close to 0-6 and, and just be kicking six field goals. Well, they don't need to be perfect, but if in order to make that work, they've got to do some of the things uh, the, the the Raiders did. I mean, this is – and sometimes you've got to kind of rein in your aggressive instincts here. O- Oakland ran more than it threw. Oakland took – Oakland was willing to kind of take the grinded out type of plays. I mean, they, their running game, it was just okay. They averaged 4.1 yards per carry. It was nothing special. But part of that was if this is going to be part of your game plan, it should be part of your game plan. If you're the Broncos, you have to stick with it. And a key to sticking with it is making sure that you don't fall victim to that early ambush from the Chiefs. Because if you look up and you're down 10 points at the end of the first quarter or you're down 13 points in the second quarter, you're ditching your game plan, and this thing is probably lost. So – We've talked a lot about what the Broncos can do against the Chiefs defense, but look, this is also incumbent on the Broncos defense not letting the Chiefs get to a point where this thing is out of hand early. Yeah, like like, uh, Vance Joseph and his offensive staff always used to say, you know, you just got to play with the lead. Yeah, of course. You you always want to play with the lead. You don't have to have a lead. You just need to have it within one score either way. I mean, you you can be behind by seven points, and that's fine. You can stick with your game plan all the way through an entire game if you're behind by seven because you're always you're one score back from from tying the game. That's the key. Don't don't get down multiple scores in this game. That's where you know that that's the that's the prescription for disaster against the Chiefs is when you get is when you get behind by ten or more points. Then you're chasing, and then they're able to, and then they're able to attack you more, and then. When you try to be aggressive, they're able to pounce on that. So that's if 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 it's the second quarter and it's 17-7, and I'm getting a little bit nervous. Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, it, it, this doesn't. This can change depending on how the game is going. But I would tell my team going into this game, look, uh, if we are between our 45 and their 30, and we have a fourth and less than three, we're going. Like, just prepare. Don't even start walking off the field. We are going for it. Now, you know, maybe that changes. Maybe you, you're in a game where you're down three and you just want to take the field goal and, and, and you know, tie up the football game. But I, I strongly believe that the Broncos should have a philosophy going into this one. Of don't even start walking off, off the field. Stay out there. Get in the huddle. Line up. Uh, and let's go get this. Because you, I – I don't understand when teams punt the ball back, like just happily punt the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. You're just, I mean, you might as well just, you know, tell the scoreboard operator, put seven up, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to pack it in here and lose. Um, you, you have to be so aggressive against this team. And, and the thing is they do that to you. It's not like you're being uber aggressive and they're being conservative and just waiting for you to, you know, overextend yourself. no, I promise you they're going to go for multiple fourth downs in this game because they trust their offense. So Broncos got to do the same thing. Got to go get it. Okay, we, we talked about this a lot this week, so we don't have to get too deep into it. But let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Just see, did are you sticking with are you sticking with what you originally thought? Because uh, I know I am. I I still believe. Give them a light box. Let them run the ball. You know, let. I'm putting that in in air quotes there. You don't want to let them do anything, but invite them to run the ball. And you have the guys in there. You you, you have Mike Purcell. You have Shelby Harris. The guys in there who can make plays in the run game. Bradley Chubb. Invite them to run the ball. Win some one-on-one matchups. Beat them at that game. Keep them in third and five, third and four, even third and three, and make plays. Rather than the what I think is the recipe for disaster, which is you you get Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball and he gets hot and you, they don't even start you know they'll they'll go multiple drives without even seeing third down. Yeah, Ryan, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm sticking with my guns as well, and I think you do the opposite. You do not let the Kansas City Chiefs get two-dimensional because one thing we know, whether you whether they're one-dimensional with Patrick Mahomes clicking or whether they're two-dimensional, Patrick Mahomes is still going to be clicking. So you're, you're not going to slow him down. So why would you let them have a second dimension to their offense, especially when it's Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who is the second or third leading rusher? in the NFL right now, they have a formula there and it's, they can do whatever they want. So I'm taking half of that away from them. And again, as crazy as it is, you let Patrick Mahomes beat you. You don't let the entire Kansas city chiefs offense beat you. And I know it's crazy to say that, but the chiefs, when they run the ball over a hundred yards are nearly impossible to stop. You look at their losses. It's when Patrick Mahomes is getting in shootouts. It's when he's putting up tons and tons of yards. Now, yes. Can, can he also win games putting up tons and tons of yards? Yes, but it's very difficult to beat the Chiefs when they go over 100. It's such an interesting conversation. You know, I, I, I liken it's basketball a lot because basketball, it's so much more obvious when, you know, there's a dominant player on the court. And so many times there's, you know, conflicting game plans that depending on the coaches. You know, I think of Kobe as one who a lot of coaches would have wanted to say, like, let Kobe get his, 
don't let the other guys around him get hot because as soon as he's driving and dishing and all these guys are making their open shots, you know, you'd say the same thing about LeBron too. You might be better off letting LeBron get his and not letting him get his teammates involved because that's obviously what he wants to do. He's, you know, he's wired to make the right play, get his teammates involved. And you'd, you feel much, you know, you'd much rather have a ice cold Danny Green trying to shoot a game winner than LeBron shooting it. So I understand where, where you're coming from, Zach. You're saying let Mahomes get his. He's going to get it whether you like it or not. Um, I just <laughs> I can't I just can't I can't go there. Uh, I just I think that every time that he willingly takes the ball and gives it to someone else without throwing it, I think it's a win for the defense. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, the, the basketball football comp kind of it kind of it, it kind of breaks down here, unfortunately, in terms of the impact the quarterback has on the overall game compared to uh, even a great player like LeBron James. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing I mean, there are things that I can't get that I, I have trouble getting past. And uh, and one of them right now is that even though. On the surface, you'd say, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not terribly concerned uh, about the Chiefs' ability to run. They're still 23 and one when they go over 100 yards. And the thing that we've seen this year is that they, more than at any point since Mahomes became the starter, if you give them the run, they just take it and say, thank you. So, uh, how do you, well, how do you avoid that? First of all, you, you can't have mistakes. I mean, this is a game where if you're going to contain the run, you guys mentioned Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris. First of all, th- those guys up front have to have to have big games. And uh, I would say that in, in particular, uh, the guys going up against Mitchell Schwartz over on the right side, since he hasn't practiced at this point this week, there's an opportunity there for them to get some penetration and attack against the run without sacrificing coverage on the back end. And then this is a game where, you can't miss tackles and mm. you can't let a two yard run become a six yard run. And, and you can't miss sacks. Yeah. You, oh, you've got, I, I would say in terms of opportunities in, in capitalizing on them, it may even be more important on the defensive side to capitalize on those moments where if you've got missile lock on Mahomes, you bring him down. If you've got Edwards Hilaire in the flat on, on a handoff, you make sure that that, that he's brought down after two or three yards rather than letting him get six or seven. You, you, you have to be nearly flawless on the defensive end right now because the chiefs are getting a little bit of that Patriots with Tom Brady in them in that, Whatever you give them as a defense, they'll take, and they'll win, and they can win with. Yeah, yeah, one one mistake that they definitely can't make is if Drew Locke executes a perfect zone read and runs eighty yards down the field. <laughs> <laughs> he can't trip over his own feet and keep himself out of the end zone. Oh, Ryan, you probably <laughs> loved it cheering for the Eagles last night. That was so sad. I felt so bad for Daniel Jones. The only uh, thing, the only thing that kept that play from being the single play that that would encapsulate Daniel Jones's career to this point was that he held on to the ball. Oh my god, could you imagine? <laughs> if if he had fumbled, it would have been the perfect summation of the Daniel Jones experience all at once. So a, a play that tantalizes and then a and then a fumble. I mean, this is, you know, that that dude has got some serious he's got some serious ball security issues right now. Yes. And did you guys see he hit 21 miles an hour on that yeah, run? Yeah, the fastest <laughs> run by a quarterback since, what, 2008 or something? Or was it 2018? 
I think it was 2018, but okay. it, which makes me think not as impressive. And then I think, oh my gosh, no, Lamar Jackson is still in this league. Kyler Murray is. That's wild. And it's not like Lamar's never gotten in the open field and been running on a beeline. I remember that happening in a game this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that, that's that's unbelievable. I still can't. That that was that is why you have to watch Thursday Night Football. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Who's on the screen? <laughs> Thursday Night Football will provide something beautiful every week. It was a fantastic game, despite the records being absolutely terrible. First place, Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, my gosh. Uh, two, four, and one. <laughs> yeah, the Broncos would be first in that division right now. I, I said before the podcast, Broncos would be the best team in NFC East by a wide margin. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is wild. <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly believe that. Um, and, and I truly believe that I, that this Broncos team going into this game this weekend is the, is the best chance they've had of beating the Chiefs so far uh, in the Patrick Mahomes era. Now, they got really close. They probably should have won one already. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in this team's abilities. And, and I think they, that this is the, that, like, the way they're playing – the momentum boost that the defense got last week, I think this is their best chance they've had so far. Actually, I'd say the best chance they had was, strangely enough, with Pat, with Paxton Lynch starting because that was Patrick Mahomes' first start. Oh, at the end of 2070. Right. I'm totally and cheating they still on that. Lost. They, yeah, oh, I, right. Well, remember, that was the... Uh, that was also the Tyler Bray game. The Chiefs actually thought they'd had it salted away, so they pulled Mahomes, and then they put him back in after the Broncos came back just to... Just to get a tease, just to provide a tease for everybody of what Patrick Mahomes could do in a late game scenario, trying to drive the team downfield to the game winning points. Yeah. I should have known. I should have known when after the game, Akib Talib was like, "Yo, yeah, that Mahomes kid is legit." Like he said <laughs> off camera, I was like, "Huh? Yeah." I mean, Paxton Lynch had better stats than him today. <laughs> I'll net. I just there were this the, the thought that echoed through my mind throughout that game was. This guy is going to be a problem for the next 15 years. But that being said, I didn't see the degree to which he would explode. That I mean, I thought he was the Chiefs had found their long-term quarterback. I didn't think they would find somebody who was literally off to the greatest start in just under 40 games of anybody at quarterback in the history of the NFL. Yeah, when when I was watching him that game, I was thinking, man, in three years, this guy's going to be an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and he's probably going to get a half a billion dollar contract. Man, uh, I certainly like. I knew he was good. I definitely like. I thought he's just like, oh, well, the Chiefs finally got a good quarterback. I don't know how much better he is than Alex Smith. Like that's what I'm just being honest. That's what I thought after that game. When the Chiefs drafted him, I thought he was going to be kind of a Brett Favre type and he's kind of that just without any of the mistakes. So <laughs> I thought he was going to be way more mistake prone and he hasn't been that. Yeah. yeah. And then he threw like, what was it? Three interceptions <laughs> yeah. in 10 minutes in practice. <laughs> yeah. Got a great, <laughs> great tweet that keeps popping up. I'm sure it'll pop up this weekend. Zach will never live that one down. <laughs> and you knew, you knew you, you, uh, <laughs> yeah. You posted a popcorn gif right away. Some Chiefs fans have tried to like 
dunk on my response to you. And I was like, no, this is what I expected right. to happen. <laughs> right. uh, guys, yesterday, John Elway talked to uh, Phil Melania of DenverBroncos.com. And Phil told him, you know, it's a nine-game losing streak. And John had no idea that it was a nine-game losing streak from the Chiefs. And he just said, oh, that's very uh, – that that's uh, – oh, what was the word he used? Um, I don't even remember the word, but he, he was just blown away that it, oh, he said, oh, that's so depressing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, John, it is. It is. <laughs> it's got to be extra hard for John Elway because he's just like, I like, he can't even imagine that. You know, when he was on the field, there's just no chance the Chiefs could have beat the Broncos nine times in a row. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't get to control that on the field anymore. It's got to just, it's got, uh, I, I, I'm not envious of what that probably feels like. No. Um, the last thing that I think we really need to talk about in this game, and may, maybe the element, no pun intended, of this game that we haven't talked nearly enough about this week is the weather. Um, it's going to be freezing, just like that game that Patrick Mahomes made his first start in. Uh, and it's going to potentially be snowing during the game. And guys... I can't get past this. Uh, it, it's it is the biggest roadblock between me and predicting a Broncos win. Um, Mahomes is he gets better as the weather gets worse. Um, actually, not not act. This is the way I would uh, would say it. I used to say this when I played FIFA uh, in high school and college. Me and my buddies would play FIFA all the time, and I would say I'm not better at FIFA when I'm drunk. But all of you get worse, and I stay about the same. And so I have a way better record when I'm when when we're all drunk. And that's how I feel about Patrick Mahomes. Everyone else gets worse, and he just stays the same uh, when the weather gets bad. And and I just I don't I can't get past it. Yeah, and I I just I what I can't get past is last year's game. Now I know Drew was younger, uh, just making his second career road start. It was his first snow game, and as we talked to Drew earlier this week, he says, "Well, I learned from that game that I can still throw in the snow, so that's good." But Ryan, like you're saying, last year in that game, Patrick Mahomes went 27 of 34 for 340 yards, two touchdowns. He did have one pick, but still 115 passer rating. And on the flip side, and I'm not I'm not killing Drew for this, but he had less than a 50% completion, 200 yards, one touchdown, uh, or I'm sorry, no touchdowns, one interception, and a 50 passer rating. And just how inept the Broncos' offense looked. I know I know it's so different now with with more weapons and stuff, but that to me is so hard to point to and say this helps the Broncos in this game because it slows the chiefs down. I don't think it's, I don't think it slows them down. Well, let me, let me ask you guys this. What do you think is a wind speed at which it starts to affect how you pass the ball? <laughs> I don't know. 30 I miles per hour. <laughs> okay. Cause the forecast on Sunday is for 10 mile an hour winds, which yeah, it's, normal. It, it's notable, but normal. It's nothing that Patrick Mahomes can't work through. So unfortunately, Unless you're talking about 20, 25 miles per hour, a snowy day is going to favor him. It's going to it's going to favor the offense. It should favor the offenses in general. But that was one example of where last year in Kansas City, Mahomes and his receivers, they've worked together for two years at that point. They're in sync. They know what each, each other is doing. Drew Locke was in start number three. So if it's a snowy day, 
I think it'll help Patrick Mahomes against the Broncos defense, but I don't think Drew Locke will be hurt in the same way that he was last year because he has accumulated snaps with Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, Philip Lindsay, not so many with Jerry Judy, of course, but that's that's starting to get that's starting to, to get there. And because of that, I think he has a better chance to be able to capitalize off a snowy but not terribly windy day and make some plays. Because remember, on a snowy day, it's the footing that goes, and that usually favors the receivers. Uh, while we're talking about this, we had a comment saying that they thought Mace looks like actor Ty Sheridan. Um, <laughs> do, do any of you know who that is? I no. don't. All right, maybe producer Alec can uh, pick up, bring up a picture of what Ty shared. I want to see what how this guy was imagining uh, Mace. But yeah, <laughs> I, I the snow is it's not it doesn't help the Broncos. Like there's mm-hmm. just no no one can make that case. Yeah, uh, right. I will say it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to look like that Kansas City game. I mean, that wasn't just a snow game. That was like there, like that was like playing at a ski resort. Basically, uh, let's. Wow! Can, <laughs> can we see? Pull up that first top left picture, Allie. Uh, that is amazing. I guess if I uh, if I shave the, the 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 fuzz here, you know, maybe I, the, let, the, let the, the hair the, go, let the bang, let, let kind of cascade down the back here, get a little bit of. I mean, that's not a mullet that he's got going, but it's a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of party in the back that Ty Sheridan's got going on in that photo. Oh, Mace, that, 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 that the picture right next to it where he's kind of given the dead stare. Can you give yeah. us one of those right now? Uh, on command. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Everyone listening on the podcast side of things didn't enjoy that as much as us, but that's just a encouragement for you to watch our lives. Uh, and and I encourage you, if you're watching this live right now, to go over, uh, hit us with a thumbs up on the video. We always appreciate those. And then maybe go over and subscribe to the channel. And if you're really feeling saucy sign up for the alerts it's right next to the subscribe button just a little bell you just click it and ding, now ding, you ding. yeah it's, it makes that sound maybe uh <laughs> and uh, now you're yeah, you're set up for alerts whenever we go live and drop new videos anyways we have reached the time to give our predictions uh should we do the rest of the afc west first let's go around the afc west and let's start with a game that just doesn't have much sizzle at all you have the jaguars going into Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Chargers, seven and a half point favorites in this game. The who? Did you say Jaguars? Uh, yes, we do this Jaguars. every time. We do this every time. Very <laughs> <laughs> Jaguars. Hey, Jaguar, yes. I am uh, not taking the Jaguars in this game even though they're getting seven and a half points. I've got to go with the Chargers here. I think uh, uh, they, they're coming off a bye. They didn't expect to have the bye, but they got it. And th- this is the softest team that Justin Herbert has seen. I think he lights them. I think he lights up the Jags in this game. Interesting. You know, when the Broncos got their bye week after the week had already happened, um, I thought to myself, you know, I, I made the comparison. It's like you, you went to school all week, and then they said, that's spring break. The Chargers got the opposite of that. They, you know, were packing up their bag, getting ready for class, and then someone said, you just got the week off. And 
it was probably an amazing feeling for them. I think um, they come back refreshed and uh, and go ahead and put a whooping on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Man, I have to just go against you guys. I've no, you don't. I think <laughs> I think the Chargers win this game, but I guess for uh, to to because I'm in chase mode right now. I'll go with the Jaguars, but the Chargers will win. Justin Herbert will get his first win in the NFL. Oh, I forgot that the Chargers don't know how to win. Yes, they don't know how to win. And yeah. Minshew kind of knows how to win. Minshew is a winner. <laughs> I mean, well, I love it. Talented as Justin Herbert is, he's he's working against some serious inertia toward defeat that the Chargers have built over them over these many years. I'm changing yeah. my pick. Okay. Oh no! Um, <laughs> you can switch yours now, Zach. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm taking the Jags straight up. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> so the Chargers just aren't going to win this season. Exactly. <laughs> I you love know, it. I, you know, I just, I'm going off sample size here, Zach. I'm doing what you did with the Chiefs. So just, I got to follow the numbers here. Fair, fair. There you go. The next game in the AFC West is the Bucks, two and a half point favorites going into Oakland. Now, I did check this line last night. It may have switched right now. Uh, so I can look up an updated line. But going into the Raiders, the game was just moved from prime time to the afternoon in case they have to change it to Monday or Tuesday. Because right now, guys, the Raiders don't have their starting safety. And by the way, they don't have their entire starting offensive line. And that's why right now our friends at DraftKings have this one off the board. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, have to imagine if there was a line right now, it would be way bigger than three for the Bucks. Yeah. So, Go ahead. So there's a chance that the offensive line can all be cleared on Sunday morning, which is like, <laughs> what happens if they're not? I I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I guess it's gonna be a, a a last minute postponement if there is one. Even then, though, you gotta go the whole week without your offensive line in practice. <laughs> uh, that can't be good. So, I'm going to pick the Bucks. Um, or kind of like regardless of the spread. Yeah. Why are they clinging to saying we can try to get this thing on Sunday? I mean. Just, you've done it before. Just punt this game to Tuesday afternoon. Oh, yes. We would love that. Yeah. Get, get, hey, or, or Tuesday night. I would love to come home at six o'clock on Tuesday and watch and watch Bucks Raiders. Yeah, everyone would. I, the, <laughs> yeah. The, the Gruden Bowl. I mean, there the storylines in this game are so rich. There's a re, you know between Tom Brady and John Gruden going up against his former team, the Bucks. There's a reason why. NBC wanted this game in prime time when they drew up the schedule back in the spring. So put it in its rightful spot, put it in prime time, have the game take place on Tuesday night, but it doesn't matter when they're playing this game. The Raiders offensive line, even if they are back to full strength, the Bucks really look like they're at full strength. And Oh, by the way, I think the Bucks have a front seven advantage against the Raiders offensive line. Give me Tampa Bay, baby. Oh, man, guys, I totally agree with you. I'm going to go Raiders with whatever the spread is. The offensive line doesn't need practice, guys. That's overrated. They're going to learn from the Tennessee Titans here. And Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs are going to run all over the Bucks. We love you too, Adel three five one zero seven five five four. It uh, just rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? I think that's a, an old uh, song that was famous. No, that's 
eight six seven five three zero nine three five one zero seven five five four. Oh, and it's sung by Adele. Oh yes, that's that's oh, correct. The other Adele. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and final game in the AFC West, guys. We got an AFC West showdown here. The Kansas City Chiefs, nine point favorites, coming into Denver on a snowy, freaking cold day in the Mile High City. And the Denver Broncos looking to extend their two-game win streak to three and get back to 500. Who do you have in this game? Well, uh, there was a very profound and famous quote by a philosopher by the name of Vance Joseph. (laughs) And he said, when it's cold, it's tough. (laughs) And so this is going to be a tough one for the Broncos. But, Uh, but... They are the kings of the world against the spread, and I believe that stays alive. They move on to 5-1 and one against the spread, but unfortunately lose this game 27-20. Uh, to 20. Yeah. Um, I mean, our friends at DraftKings have this at 9.5 right now. Yes. 30-21, to 21, Chiefs. Mm, just cover, covering the cover spread. Cover city, baby. Hey, good teams win, great teams cover, right? Yes, uh, whoever came up with that statement <laughs> just missed two very important words. Good teams win, great teams win and cover. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Guys, I like the Broncos in this one. Oh, I like them to cover the spread. Oh. And I like them to cover the spread of nine, nine and a half. Really, I think it's going to be a seven-point game. But I think at the end of the day, we're taught we're coming away from this game saying we like what the Broncos are doing right now. We like where they're headed. Broncos go to two and four, but we like where they are. I'm going 20 or I'm going 30 to 23. Yeah. How they get there kind of matters. I would, I would say if, if it's 30, if it's, we're talking like say the scores that Zach and I have you and I, Zach both have them uh, giving up 30 and you have them scoring 23. I have them scoring 21. If the last points in the game are scored by the Chiefs in getting to that score, you feel pretty good. I mean, you're you're lamenting a tough loss, but you're saying you hung with them. If the last score comes from the Broncos, in in my score, for example, if the Broncos are down thirty are are, are down thirty to fourteen, well, then they probably wouldn't make it thirty to twenty one because uh, because then that because if they if they are down thirty to twenty late and they don't go for two, they're idiots. But uh, I digress. But yeah, if <laughs> any, anyhow, anyway, so I, yeah, I, no, if you're down th- 30 to 14 at any point during this game, it's a disappointment. Yeah, Unless, exactly. of course, you come back and win. Right. If you're <laughs> if, if you're scrambling late just to make the game closer, then I think it's fair to set to continue to have the same critiques that we've had of the, of the Broncos. But if they but if, if it's the Chiefs that make the late drive to win, you're saying, oh, it's heartbreaking. It's tough. But you know what? You're getting closer. and even though it's December and Arrowhead, the next time these teams meet, you're probably talking about playing in front of no more than 16,000 fans. Certainly not the same kind of intimidating environment. You can legitimately say, hey, maybe they'll get them in December on Sunday Night Football. And my close game is that it, it, my close score is that it's actually a close game, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, I agree. I think this one, I think the Broncos hang in there, and, and a lot of it's going to be on their defense. But I mean, they. <laughs> They have to make some of those pass catchers are going to make those plays this week. I just, I, I, you know, I'm 
they're professionals. I, I got to go with the uh, the law of averages here or something like that. Positive regression to the mean. Good thing is Evan Ingram isn't on this team. Yikes. That was a uh, brutal drop last night. Oh, yeah. They, man, they had two. They should have had two long touchdowns. Yep. Yep. Just what the Broncos were saying last week. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, on the live side of things, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. So thanks to everyone who tuned in on YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, wherever. Sorry that we got that song stuck in your head. It's stuck in my head, too. Uh, but we're, we're going to move on. <laughs> Who do I turn to? <laughs> uh, I actually don't recognize that lyric at all, but I do well, know the, in the, the song. I mean, you <laughs> just look up Tommy Two Tone eight six seven five three zero nine slash Jenny. Tommy Two Tone is a sweet name. Um, <laughs> all right, we're gonna move on to the podcast side of things. So everyone who tuned in on the live, thank you guys. We'll talk later. So this might sound like a conversation you had after a few Breck brews, but uh. During the break, you know, you guys can't hear the break, but there is a break between when we end the live and start the pod. May said, uh, someone needs to remake that song. Is the song actually titled 8675309? Yeah, 8675309 slash Jenny. Slash Jenny. What a terrible yes. name. So my question, and maybe you need a couple of Breck Brews to, uh, to come up with the best ideas. Who remakes it? Who, who is best suited to remake that song? Who, you know, really nails this one? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. 303, maybe? Oh, <laughs> I, I like the answer. That's a good, that's a good synergy. Because then they don't have to add the area code. It's already implied. In the uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Mace, you got a candidate? Uh, I, I don't have a candidate. However, something I was looking up on the song, there is a pizza restaurant up in Fort Collins called Totally 80s Pizza. Its number, gentlemen, is area code 970 <laughs> wow. That's so awesome. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's got to oh. be the best thing about Fort Collins. <laughs> wow you actually said that there's something decent about fort collins uh, we have we have made history brian konigsberg said something positive about fort collins i joke about fort collins a lot but it is a uh it's in colorado it can't be that bad no oh, producer ali make sure to save that clip yeah she's she's not listening anymore that's so well, okay we've uh, zach and i are recording this to our hard drives we have the receipts <laughs> I'm going with, uh, I think Joe Jonas would really nail this one. Oh, yes, I could see that. What area code would he use? Well, yeah, uh, I, I don't think it works. I don't think it works to add an area code. Yeah, I don't think he really can. I've been replaying it in my head a bunch. and Maybe you just put the area code in the title. That's how you're not sealing the title. Yep, right. Instead of Jenny at the end, you put an area code. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just because... Um, on Saturday night before I went to bed in my hotel in Foxborough, um, I watched uh, Yesterday. Have you guys seen that film? No. No. Okay. Basically, the premise is that um, uh, this this guy kind of – he wakes up and, like, I guess he's in an accident. I missed, like, the first 10 minutes, but he wakes up and all, the world has, has no memory of the Beatles. So he starts like so he starts oh. basically playing the songs and writing the songs and becomes this big star. Mm, I do Even remember though, seeing previews for that. Yeah, well, Ed Sheeran's in the movie, so okay. I'm gonna say I'm oh. gonna say I wouldn't mind having Ed Sheeran do a cover. I like it. 
Yeah. Eddie, Eddie Two-Tone. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually think Joey Two-Tone uh, is a better, better, uh, a better, it fits better. Anyways. Um, <laughs> anyways, drink Breck beers. <laughs> That's what that was all about. That whole conversation was somehow an ad for Breckenridge Brewery, which, of course, creates damn good beers, no matter the occasion, no matter the day. But it is Friday. It seems like a good day for a Breck Brew Friday. So head down to your local liquor store. Find them on the Breck Brew locator. Um, wherever you do it, whatever you do, have yourself a nice cold Breck brew tonight. And guys, nothing goes better than with sports than DraftKings Sportsbook. And with week seven here, make sure you get in on all the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, which is America's top-rated sportsbook app. And to add the uh, to the excitement of week seven being here, DraftKings is bringing back their can't-miss offer. They're giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using the promo code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. And if you don't want to bet on your beloved Broncos, well, they are offering MMA and baseball fans who sign up now the chance to turn $1 into $100 by betting on this weekend's UFC 254 or by taking action in the World Series right now. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the the app store right now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's move on here to the questions from the listeners, and I'm sure there are some good ones. Uh, why don't Why don't one of you guys start us off? All Chris, right, you you, you start. Big, well, I'll say it's from a sound guy, but you need to take the baton here. My boys, there we go. Last season, we saw growing pains with the defense and O line. Both units struggled, but showed improvement. Now, in year two, both units look to be the strength of the team. Should we expect a similar arc from Shermer's offense? Is this the year, is this year about the install of the offense and next year is when the success of this year's effort is measured? Yes, absolutely. You, you nailed it. You, you typically don't want to judge and it's not fair to judge based off year one. That's why it's not fair that Drew Locke has had six different offensive coordinators in the past six years. It's, it's not fair to the Broncos players that they've had new offensive coordinators every single year. You need consistency. So yeah, Next year is the year where the offense could take off. Is it fair to say that we've never seen what Drew Locke looks like when he's comfortable in an offense? Yeah, you got to go back to high school, high right? School? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, like, how crazy is that? Yeah, that's wild. Patrick Mahomes, you know, got a full year to sit in an offense, then played in that offense again, then played it in again, then played it in, I mean, he just, you know, and he might play in that offense for his entire career. Yep. Yep, and Drew hasn't been in one for more than one season. That yeah. is criminal, I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I would say that it makes Pat Shermer's job security as good as anyone in the NFL. You cannot do this again. No, you can't. You can't. And John Elway knows that, right? I mean, he should. Although, right. did, didn't he have Josh Heupel for two years, though, at Mizzou? Maybe. 
So Did he? Okay. Five and yeah. six years. Yeah. Okay. So it'd be yeah, because Heupel was on the staff in sixteen and seventeen. Okay. And okay, so and in seventeen, Locke absolutely balled out. So there you for go. For what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> so we so we have seen what happens when he gets a second year in an offense, and it was fantastic. What is it? He he led the league in uh, or he led the nation in touchdowns, right? Yeah. Fifty so something. I think it's forty-four something. Yeah, forty-four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. Next one coming in from Yellow Mustard. From my point of view, the Chiefs are evil. I don't like Chiefs Kingdom. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. To Patrick, no, I am your father. Um, Chiefs fans, this is an interesting thing going on right now, and it's illuminated something to me. There are the, the two worst types of fans are A, fans of teams that are like historically uber successful. So even better than the Broncos over time, we're talking the Lakers, the Yankees, you know, et cetera. Those teams that just always win. Those are probably the worst fans possible. The other one, number two, is fans who have recently come across a ton of success. This, of course, takes in the Chiefs. And it's also the Golden State Warriors. Uh, both, both of those fan bases just absolutely – uh, insufferable and the chiefs are even worse than the, than the warriors there's something about like suffering 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 and then suddenly being amazing that just makes a fan base the worst yeah <laughs> yeah it depends though i mean if it were some fans handle it better like um i'm gonna be a little bit biased here but i thought bucks fans handled their brief burst of success back in the 90s and early 2000s, much better than the Chiefs or ha- fans are handling their success right now. Yeah, I almost don't know if the Bucks were quite good enough to reach the insufferable status. Well, they won a Super Bowl. I know, they, they did yeah. win a Super Bowl. But it wasn't yeah. like a, just like suddenly they were dominant and no, you know, they could, they, no one could get in their way. Yeah, the other thing is with the Bucks. Um, and Brad Johnson the, the, was their quarterback. Right. The last time they did it with, with, was with defense. They don't have time to get insufferable right now with Tom Brady. Right. Even if Tom Brady plays at a really high level. Because the other thing is with the, with the Bucks, and more so than the Chiefs, the Bucks twice in their history have been so bad for so long that their fans assume failure is around the corner. Yeah. Their, fan, uh, their fans are waiting for the disaster. Trust me, I know. Speaking of Tampa Bay, this is how bad the MLB is at marketing itself. I am a massive sports fan. I love every sport. I love baseball. As it stands right now, there was a World Series game last night, right? No. Oh. (laughs) Well, there you go. They got out of the way of Thursday night football. Oh, okay, okay. And and also part of it is Fox has the Thursday night contract, so it's – had to work this way where there was going to be no game last night. So we're still tied one, one, huh? Oh yeah. How it like, I don't even think people are realizing that Tampa Bay is about to, has a chance to win back to back championships. Yeah. I'm seriously. I mean, there's, I I was thinking about this and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but what if Tampa Bay for all its years of failure, Wins three championships at once. <laughs> it doesn't feel that crazy to say it's possible. No, it doesn't. And that, that would be a sweep for them. 
Yeah, but the thing is, and I would also say this, it would be a Tampa Bay thing to do it when hardly any, when (laughs) few to no fans can actually come and watch. (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird. Like, Tampa could be title town, and I don't even know if anyone would notice. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, when the Lightning won, they had a boat parade. Oh, that's cool. Um, because you could create some social distance, and then they had a they had a, a rally, but they had to have it at Raymond James Stadium, and because it was social distance, there were only like, I think there were like ten thousand people there. Damn. Yeah, it's hopefully just, no boats sank at the rally because they had too many flags. No, well, <laughs> they actually did it right. It was organized, and it was moving at a relatively stately pace instead of everybody just firing up their engines and floating around a river or a lake uh, uh, yeah okay uh, I, I don't know much about boating but i knew i knew enough when i saw some of those uh those boat parades where boats were sinking i'm like yeah you can't do that that's, a, <laughs> that's actually illegal moral of this story chiefs fans suck from rk's favorite t-shirt stain what does that mean i have no idea uh, okay <laughs> Is it a, do, you have a, do you have a yellow mustard stain somewhere and it just connects with the last commenter? Did I, st- did I wear a stained shirt on a live stream one day without <laughs> noticing? Maybe. I didn't notice, though. All right. Maybe you can help yeah. us out. Sunday, November 13th, 2011, with 6.44 left in the contest, Tebow tosses the pig 56 yards <laughs> to Derek Ecker for the game winner. Tebow went, two f- yeah. <laughs> Tebow went two for eight in the game. Yes, you read that correctly. He rushed for 49 yards in the score. Vaughn had one and a half sacks and four QB hits. Tyler Robert Palco handled the balls for the Chiefs after Dumerville and um, Vaughn Miller wrecked Matt Castle's life. Whoopi Goldberg turned 56 that day. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, and next Friday is Hawaiian shirt day, so you know. If you, uh, if you want to, you can go ahead and wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. Why did they put Hawaiian shirt day in the winter? <laughs> that doesn't make sense because even in Hawaii, it's technically like the winter. I guess it's fall, but right. you know what I mean. Right. Well, I mean, it can be any time of year, right? In- <laughs> well, conceivably. I'll definitely be wearing one for the live next Friday then. Yeah, yeah someone it- remind me. Yeah, it's the, uh, the office space reference. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, next Friday is Hawaiian shirt day. (laughs) Every day should be a Hawaiian shirt day. It is for you, Mace. Not today, (laughs) though. today. As someone said uh, on the live, you're looking very autumnal. Thank you. (laughs) Thick, six-toed, self-driving cheese blanket keeping the whole class (laughs) from lunch by overachieving on the pacer test. Holy smokes, what what a a name. I was understanding all the references until keeping the whole class from lunch by overachieving on the pacer test. Do you you remember the pacer test? At at my school, they called it the beep test. It was where you had to run back and forth uh, on the basketball court. Yeah, just brutal. It's Uh, did you guys reference that when I wasn't on the podcast? Yes. Was that yesterday, Mace? Two days ago? It, it was it sometime came up, this I don't, week. I know it came up yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yesterday was the only day I wasn't mm-hmm. on this week, so that yes. makes sense. Someone brought it up yesterday just reminiscing about how awful it was. Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> yeah, I said it was the worst physical test you ever had to do in school. <laughs> oh, gosh. There was, a, there was something that they had to do on the football team and the girls' soccer team. It was like a conditioning test that you had to do. You had to, like, pass the test before you could practice. And, like, just hearing about it was enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm good with golf. <laughs> People are throwing up and stuff. <laughs> right. I think it was like you had to run – 
two miles in under 15 minutes. I, I don't even know what it was, but it's, I was just like, mm, nope, <laughs> never doing that. Well, this name goes on with the question. It says, hot take. The pacer test, as well as the other test, agility, rope climb, etc., was actually lit, and that oh, day no. was the fourth best day of the school year after, of course, field day, parachute day, and the scholastic book fair. <laughs> yeah, gonna gonna have to disagree with you there. Although wow. scholastic book day is pretty good. Scholastic Anyways, book fair was lit for sure. Awesome. Yeah, um, you, you never got the books though. You always got the little like posters and stuff. I oh. uh, I got the books. Speak for yourself, Snack. <laughs> We the worst day of the year wasn't just the pacer test. We so during that whole thing, which I don't understand why it even exists. One of the things was you had to run a mile, and like that to me was even worse. Um, and one year I was in protest of it, so I was just like, I'm not running. I'm I'm only walking. And my gym teacher got so mad. And he was like, What would your football coach say if I told him this? And I was like, I honestly don't think he would care. Um, and he never, I called his bluff and he never told my football coach who probably actually would have been pissed. Oh, wow. Wow. You were good at calling bluffs like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't, I can't force me to run a mile. You just didn't care. That's, that, that, that's the best way to be. <laughs> he goes on and says, anyways, Chubb is back and Carolina barbecue sauce is still the worst of the big four. And this comment Wrong. was mostly just a name flex. So I'm out of here. Stay thick. <laughs> oh, that's thick Fangio. Um, no. Yeah. I don't know. All barbecue sauce is great. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's how we, well, Mace probably that's... wants the last word here though. All barbecue sauce is great, and I I understand why some people don't like Eastern North Carolina barbecue sauce vinegar based in particular. But it is what I know. It's my it is my first barbecue love. It will always be top of the chain for me. Eastern North Carolina barbecue sauce, <laughs> real specific. A, yeah, can we just have a Colorado barbecue sauce? I mean, no, you'd have to have a southwestern Colorado barbecue sauce. <laughs> Nick Scott chiming in and says, this might be crazy, but is it reasonable to think that Garrett Bowles possibly played a role in Mike Munchak coming to Denver? Do you think that maybe he saw the raw talent and knew what he could do with them? Obviously, his family was probably the number one reason, but is this possible? No. No. Yeah, I think we're, we're all shaking our heads. <laughs> I like the creativity, Nick, but uh, no, I don't think so. No. What would have been attractive for him is if they were like, so we have, um, you know, Joe Thomas at left tackle, yeah. um, Joe Staley at right tackle. We're going to bring in, you know, just that, that might get someone to take the job. But I'm sure I, I, the, the farthest I'll go is that Garrett Bowles didn't scare Mike Munchek away from keep taking the job because he believed that there was raw talent that he could develop. Well, the other thing is also when you're Mike Munchak and you've already established, long since established your bona fides as an online coach, you know that if it doesn't work out there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out somewhere else. This really was entirely about family because think about this. How many of us would go to a place where we interviewed for the top job and didn't get it and had to take a lesser job? unless there was something on the outside that was really pulling you like for him, a chance to, to be around family to a, and I, I believe uh, there's a grandkid involved with it. Yep. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that would be weird if someplace is like, all right, we want you to be the CEO, come interview for it, and you interview for it, and they're like, okay, we don't want you for that, but how would you like to take the same job that you have right now? Although I would argue this, if you're looking for a coach with experience who's been a head coach and has learned from that, watching what Mike Bunchak is doing with Garrett Bowles and just watching, and, 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 and just watching him the last couple of years, if Bowles does well and the offensive line in general continues to, to show some improvement, I think Mike Munchak starts bouncing back onto some head coaching radars here in the next year or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was very convinced that if the Broncos ever wanted to fire Vic Fangio, they would give Mike Munchak a good long look. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm getting, you know, last week really uh, was a big swing game for me, in my opinion, uh, of Vic Fangio. He out, he out coached. Uh, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels like that's that has to be a big swing game for you yeah the past couple of weeks not just that but the way Vic's been handling his players how he's handling the the virus how he's handling everything in adversity has has been extremely impressive Mm -hmm. I don't know why this just reminded me but Andy Reid's press conference was so boring (laughs) that's a veteran head coach right there I know and I didn't get my question in I don't know uh like my phone I it was like muted and I couldn't unmute. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Um, Cause I, I, I just know based on the fact that people talked right over me without me, um, without <laughs> like stopping at all that no one could hear me. Um, but I wanted to ask Andy Reed um, if he thought Clyde Edwards Alaire and Eric Bieniemy were very similar in terms of like the actual players they were, because when I watch Clyde, I just see like Eric Bieniemy highlights there. Mm. I think they're super mm. similar, and I wonder if that's why they loved one of the reasons why they loved him. Wow. I think he might have given a good answer to that because all of his other answers sucked. <laughs> Next one's from Johnny G. Greetings, gang. I keep seeing reports of Hamler practicing and the chances of him playing this week getting better. My question is Are we rushing him back? Are we going to be doing more long term harm? letting him come back so soon. I think his ceiling is high, and I'd hate to see his career limited to reoccurring, limited due to reoccurring issues that could be mitigated by letting him fully heal, stay safe, and stay healthy. Johnny G. Guys, I may be off on this, but he's had three different hamstring injuries this year, so he may just – his hamstrings may be injury-prone, and so the Broncos may say, you know, we think he's 100% now, so we're going to go let him, let, let him go out there. Um, but it concerns me that they've all been different hamstring injuries, which is bizarre. And Vic Fangio made it very clear that, that the one he just had was different than the one that he had in training camp. Yeah, and I think, though, just the accumulation of them all, if there's another one, yep. do you think they just shut him down for the yep. year? Yep, yep. Yeah, That's I do exactly too. exactly what I was just about to say. They're going to give him one more chance here. If he, doesn't, if he has a hamstring again, uh, they're going to they're gonna put him on IR. I, I just, I don't know what it, I'm kind of with what your take is, Zach, though. Like, I just don't know what it's going to do. Um, I don't know. Can he go, is there like stem cell, like hamstring reinforcement surgery that you can get? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Guys, right now, the Broncos are really talking like he's going to be back this week. I'm still going to lean on the side where they say, we're just going to give him the two weeks like Mace talks about often. But, I mean, they are really talking about him being back more than other players at, at the same mm. point in his recovery. I don't think he's, like, put enough on film for that to, like, matter to lie about it. 
Yeah, that that's true. It's a good point. He really hasn't. Um, I think they're desperate to win. Mm, so he plays. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he plays, but I am I'm nervous. I'll, every time he hits full speed, I'm going to get nervous until yep. he does it for a couple of games in a row. Just like Giants fans will be with Daniel Jones. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, next one here from Lock the Casbah. Excited to see Fant and Albert O on the field together. We're so ex- we're also so excited to see Lindsey and Gordon on the field together. To me, this screams Haas Y Juke. That's the play with the empty set, the two running backs on the outside running hitches, two tight ends out wide running streaks, and one wide receiver running an option route. And it's a classic deadly Patriots formation that looks even better than it sounds. Something like this plays to a team's strengths much more uh and using it when we never have before to my knowledge in a big spot against the chiefs when we might finally have fan albert o Lindsay, and gordon sounds perfect the more you think about it the more it makes sense who better to have on streaks than two of the fastest tight ends both our run backs are, running backs are pass catchers wide receivers banged up use some from formations with only one wide receiver you can call it multiple times in a row like how the patriots called it three times in a row on their only td drive against the rams in the super bowl or mix it up and start putting one of the streaking tight ends on a slant or a curl cause the defender because uh, the defender will think they're going deep. This is wishful thinking, but why not take a page out of the playbook of one of the best teams and coaches the NFL has seen incorporate great formations and plays, especially if it's from someone else's playbook and you'll, you'll keep your opponents guessing every time. Great idea. And what I'll tell you is I almost guarantee it. I would put the mortgage on the fact that Pat Shermer has watched a ton of Patriots tape from when they had uh, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. I, I just – I'm very convinced that he's done that. Uh, and I, I would also believe that you'll see some of those elements come out. It doesn't mean that these guys are those guys, but that was masterful when it comes to using two tight ends on the field that have, you know, great pass-catching skill sets. And uh, I think anyone who has two tight ends that they think are threats has probably watched that film. Maybe that's uh, where this is evolving, although the only thing is, and this is just my own, I have to admit, I have my own personal peccadillo here. I hate empty backfield sets. Mm. I always want to have one running back staying there, so at least up until the snap, you can give the impression that you might run and keep the defense honest. Aside from that, yeah, and I I love it. I, I want to see this offense, guys, evolve to one where a year from now, if Noah Fant keeps developing and Albert O keeps growing, that we are talking about them being used in the same way that Gronk and Hernandez were 10, 9, 10 years ago. Peccadillo, is that uh, uh, in relation to Armadillo? <laughs> it should be, shouldn't it? <laughs> it really should be. Uh, and guys, they didn't draft Albert O to replace Noah Fant. No, they drafted him to have him with him. So I think it, it's even beyond Pat Shermer's vision. I think this is the organization's vision, which it should be, and I love it. Yep. Next one from Manning's Forehead. I should have been clear on the vacation post I made from yesterday. The winter I referred to is 2021 and 2022 winter, not the one coming up in a couple of months. I also okay. won't be 21 if I go in the summer, but once winter rolls around, I will be, which is why I noted that I could enjoy a, my first Breck brew at the DNVR bar if I do pilgrimage in the winter. Broncos, Nuggets, and Avs will hopefully all be playing in winter 2021 if I go. Also, am I the only one who ever had a bad experience with the Pacer test or who never had a bad experience with the Pacer test? 
I'm sh- like I'm shocked that Zach had a bad experience with the pacer test, just because you're, you're the type of person who doesn't think that running is punishment like me. I, it's like it's constant sprints that get faster and faster. How can anyone have a good experience with it? That's true. Like <laughs> it goes against all logic, right? The more tired you get, the faster you have to run. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I just remember the test. I mean, is there an ending to the test? I thought you just went until everyone you, tapped out. You, you do, yep. yeah. How, how, could, how, how can there be good from that? I don't get it. <laughs> I assume that Manning's forehead was the last one standing, and anytime yeah. you win something, you don't <laughs> hate it. Right. <laughs> Next one here, from, or did we answer the actual? No, that was, there wasn't really a question there. Next one here from Mace getting a Bradley over a bowl of clam chowder in a RAV4 driven by a six-toed cat smothered in yeasty spread with a straw in its beep. Wow. (laughs) Hot tip. Broncos win this game if Lindsey or Melvin score on a Texas route. Well, I think that's a good possibility. Also, who would you rather see in a cage fight? Benjamin Albright and Brandon Stokely. Ryan Edwards and Cecil Lammy, Eric, young Aryan-looking dude, and Phil Milani, Trail Ridge Road, and John Elway's jawline. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Count Locula and a recently raised mummy from Egypt, or LDJ and a third-tier blogger with a bad dick. <laughs> that one. <laughs> oh, wait. Love Thunder oh. Down Under and anyone who prefers Marmite as a superior yeasty spread, which it obviously isn't. I'm looking at you, Dre and Hank, you weak, weak individuals. I mean, really, step up, guys. Come on. Those were just terrible, terrible reactions. Or Iceman and Chuck Norris. <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm, I'm going I, LDJ. I'm going with the LDJ third-tier blogger, but, man, I, I, think, uh, I think the Vegemite was spiked before this comment was made. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, wow. The, the reference, honestly, of LDJ and a third-tier blogger with a bad take from 2003 is elite. Um, I'm going with that one. <laughs> it really, Love really you, is elite. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, before we move on here, Zach, do you want to take this one? Got to tell you guys about my favorite game, WGT Golf Guys. It's been my favorite game on my phone for the past decade and I want you to play along with us and not only is it my favorite game but it's the most popular golf game in the world and also the official gaming partner of DNVR and we want you to play with our awesome community that we have going on over at WGT almost a thousand people are playing with us and we want you to play as well so go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. That just lets WGT know that you want to play with us. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download it. Go into the clubhouse section and search DNVR3. That's DNVR in all capitals and the number three next to it to join our series of clubhouses. And once you're in, you get exclusive access to all of the tournaments we have weekly with some more majors coming up, which includes some awesome prizes. But you don't have to be good to win those prizes. You just have to play. So make sure to get in there. Start practicing now because it's also just a really freaking fun game as well. And I love it because it's so realistic. And you get to play real courses like Pebble Beach and St. Andrews. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf and then join our clubhouse, DNVR3. I guarantee that at least 99% of you are going to really want the prize when it's announced. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Also, you got to go check out Chevalier Mortgage. 
Mike and Virginia Chevalier. They're diehard Broncos fans. They've supported DNVR for a long time as members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. Your home is going to be your largest asset and your mortgage is going to be your largest debt. And they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your long-term and short-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation when you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com or call them at 303-257-6578. That's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Next one coming in from Aaron Ray. Yo, what's up, my G-babies? One fun question before I get to the real thing. Hypothetically, if you guys got a call from Vic Fangio saying they needed all three of you for one game, what position would you play? Take into consideration your skill set and who you would and who you would play well next to on the field, including the other two guys on the podcast, LOL. All right. What position? Um... Are we all playing? So we're all playing the same position? I don't know. I am going to be the uh, the holder. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The only thing I could do reasonably well was uh, there was a time in my life where I used to be able to be able to kick a 45-yard field goal wow. reasonably steadily. So, yeah, like when I was at Mizzou, for example, I would sneak onto the football field and just uh, – and just kick field goals from time to time. What do you think you could do now? Uh, probably about 25. I think we should uh, make a little video at some point. Yeah, yeah. that is, Im- that is it's impressive. Been, it's, it's been years, and I'd probably pull like three muscles doing it. I know, so. that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm we not need a little point. kickoff someday, guys. Start stretching now. I oh. can't believe how much it sucks getting old. And I'm only 28. <laughs> I'm really scared of what's ahead. Yeah. Last night, I, you know, I, I'm uh, leaving the bar. It, it was like misting out. I don't know if you guys went outside at all last yeah. night, but it's mm-hmm. like misting and cold as hell. And you know the um, like in downtown where they have the trees and around the trees is like a metal grate yep. type of oh, thing. Did you slip? Mm-hmm. I stepped on that. It was pure ice, and I for lack of a better term, ate shit. Oh, uh, no. And, like, I I think I sprained my wrist and my thumb hurts. Oh, no. It's just like, God, what? Like, this uh, – like, you used to just be able to go throw your body around and just be fine after that. Now, slipping and hurting myself and – You just can't, you can't leave the house. golf on Saturday. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do that now. Oh, no yeah. way. You're not going to tap out of golf. I know. I, I'm trying to wait as long as I can before I test out the swing. Oh, man. That would be a serious injury if you can't do the golf. I know. I already missed a golf uh, round earlier this year because I sliced my finger open with a knife. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Dude. I know. It was it was rough. <laughs> uh, it's pretty legit scar. Pretty legit scar. Yeah. Uh, next one is from – or did we did we get everything there? He goes on with a question, actually. Okay. He says, seems as if Sutton and Casey are for sure out for the year, but any new words on Von Miller and how his healing process is going? Is it really possible that when we make the playoff push, he could actually return for the playoffs? I appreciate y'all. Stay blessed. Yeah, Vic, Vic actually <laughs> talked about it this morning. He said it in KOA. the most depressing way. <laughs> yes, yeah. he did. <laughs> he said, we're pr- quote, we're probably never going to get Von back, get Cortland back, or Jarrell Casey, unquote. 
Oh, yeah. man. So. It sounds like he's, like, talking to someone who just broke up with a girl. You're never going to get her back. I think it sounds like they're dead. I know. That's true. <laughs> like, Vic. Whoa, buddy. I or know. It's, or, it's, that, or, or that they're not going to be back next season. Right. Yeah. I heard that, and I'm like, is that this year? Is that next year? Have they already made the contract decision here with the, the cap dropping and revenues plummeting? You guys want to ask Vic if they're, today if their careers are over? Yeah. Yeah. Ne- they're never coming back. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but I think he's taken a lot from us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Casey and uh, Sutton are not coming back this year. Yeah. If the Broncos make a playoff push, there still is a chance for Bond. Yeah. Uh, well, not based on what Vic is saying. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah. I mean, uh, the other thing, I mean, it's, it's, it is entirely possible that what we're saying about Von Miller applies to Jarrell Casey. That the Broncos don't pit, don't make, retain his contract and let him go too right that's true yeah i assume we will eventually get Cortland back at <laughs> some point mm-hmm. some year uh butch cassidy let's go gentlemen all week i've had a feeling about this team powers are growing and this week is as good as any for an upset so let's line it up and drill these 58 yard field goals he goes first and says on sunday phil is going to rush for over 250 yards and at least one td uh, that is a 78-yard field goal. Yes, it certainly is. And, guys, how many touchdowns is Phil getting if he goes for 250? I mean, one touchdown would be disappointing. I, I would be upset at Phil if he goes for 250 and only one TD. To get yeah. to 250, you have to have at least four – no, at least two runs of over 50 yards. That end in touchdowns. Yes. Well, and yeah. Most likely they end in touchdowns. So, so you can't have a Daniel Jones, you know, 80-yard non-touchdown scamper in there. Cannot be Jones. <laughs> oh, man. Man, what's, what's your 58-yard field goal? My 58-yard field goal is that the Broncos – I'm teetering between two things here. Uh, I'll say the Broncos – get an interception and a strip sack of Patrick Mahomes. Oh, wow. Then they should win. <laughs> wow. Uh, if I, only it were that easy. I love that. My 58-yard field goal is Drew Locke has more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes. Oh, so they're not going to take your advice, huh? <laughs> they're going to let him run? Uh, and then, yeah, they're gonna, the Chiefs are going to be able to do whatever they want. So I guess All that's right. a depressing one. Yeah. My my 58-yard field goal, you know what? I'm going to stick with the one I said last week. Drew Locke to Jerry Judy, 50-plus oh, touchdown. There we go. Just um, got to catch it, Jerry. People, like, are just chomping at the bit to criticize Drew Locke. I don't I, – like, they – so I post that video of Jerry Judy putting Jason McCourty in a blender and, <laughs> like – not not half, you know, but you notice the negatives more. Like a third of the responses are like, "Drew Locke never gets off his first read." I'm like, "What? This? Why can't we just be happy that that Jerry Judy runs dirty routes?" Also, on that, like, people need to understand this about the first read. It's the first read for a reason. If it's there, you're supposed to throw the ball there. So yes, Drew Locke didn't come off his first read on that play because the first read was Albert O. Kuebunam on a wheel route and 
It was there. There was space in the end zone. There was no one over the top. It's Albert Okwebunam versus a linebacker. He threw that, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. When the first, when the first uh, one's there, you hit it. But he also could be better uh, at um, getting through his reads. That's a, a place he's going to um, – it's a place that he has to get better at. Okay, uh, Mace has got to run to practice. So we were, we're going to let him go, and we'll finish off these questions, just you and me, Zach. See you, Mace. En- enjoy your weekend, guys. See you guys Sunday. See you, Mace. All right. Next one coming in from six-toed dishwasher salmon that swims upstream in a river made of the collective tears of the DNVR family after resigning Joe Flacco. Resigning. Oh, resigning Joe Flacco from the sun. Wow, that is quite the name. A route-running god whose name rhymes with Barry Booty once asked after being drafted, is it cold in Denver? With that being said, is there a chance Barry Booty struggles to catch passes in the frigid Denver climate this week? That's true. I don't know. I don't know how many cold weather games Jerry Judy has uh, participated in his career. You know what? Uh, Troy Rank yesterday was pointing out to me how much more comfortable KJ Hamler looks catching punts than Tyree Cleveland because it was freaking cold at practice yesterday. And Tyree Cleveland did not look comfortable. And there's a chance he's never played in a cold game. There's a chance he's never played in a snow game. Uh, I believe he grew up in Florida and Houston and then, of course, went to Florida. So there's a chance he hasn't seen cold. And you could kind of tell that it did not look comfortable. K.J. Hamler, on the other hand, with with Deontay Spencer out, K.J. Hamler um, went to Penn State. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's played in freezing cold games and probably snow games as well. So maybe that's another reason they kind of push KJ out there this week. Honestly, if your name is Cleveland, you should know cold. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but what you just said about Tyree Cleveland is the same for Jerry Judy. Right. Born in Florida, played at Alabama. Yep. Some of these guys might have never even seen like a cold day. Yep, yep. I remember Let alone when, a snow game. Yeah, Demarcus Walker, when he came to Denver, it was, of course, in a, a, a snowstorm during the draft. And his first day here at, what, 22, 21 years old was the first time he'd ever seen snow. Oh, God. I, I remember when um, we were at the Combine and I went and asked all the players what their first reaction was when I just said it, the name of a team? Yep. And, and like, like – 70% of the di- the dudes I talked to, whenever I mentioned a cold weather place, they said cold. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good exercise for teams to do and be like, uh, the teams in Cleveland be like, okay, we don't want this guy. Uh, there, there might legitimately be something to that. As for the question, did you catch much of Jerry Judy out there? Did he look as uncomfortable as Tyree Cleveland? I, I did not, know because it was only during the uh, the punt returns and Jerry wasn't doing that. Okay. Well, hopefully Jerry is not too cold. But, man, like, I, the more I think about this, like, what's the coldest – I guess we've seen some cold days in Alabama when we are down there in Mobile. Yeah. So, maybe Alabama has, like, 40-degree days. I, I honestly right. don't know. That's what I would think. It'd be something like that. So, maybe he has caught a football in cold weather before yesterday. <laughs> maybe. Hopefully. The other Ryan says, my boys, happy football, feel good, fired up, bum talk Friday. 
when our beloved Broncos take the field on Sunday at Mile High to play the Kansas City Chiefs, it will have been 1,865 days since the Broncos last defeated this foe. It's time to put an end to this atrocity, a depressing atrocity if you ask John Elway, especially at home. In the parlance of one Zach Stevens, the Broncos need to cause Sunday shrinkage to the Chiefs. Have you used the term Sunday shrinkage? <laughs> now I'm about to. <laughs> um, where I lost my spot. As has been discussed on the podcast this week about what Denver's wide receivers do best, about how seeing how about seeing more of the following on Sundays? As RK has mentioned, Deshaun Hamilton's only saving grace right now is his willing, able, as how willing, able, and adept he is as a blocker. How about a bubble? or smoke screen or tunnel screen to Jerry Judy out of a trips formation with Tim Patrick and Hamilton handling the blocking. With uh, Judy excelled on short routes like that in college, it would help him get more touches and get into a rhythm early in the game too. Judy has a big game. I think the Broncos' chances of victory greatly increase. Have a wonderful weekend. Here's to another Broncos upset victory. DNV Army salute. I love it. I love everything you said in there. I totally agree. Yeah, use Deshaun to, to be a good blocker and get Jerry Judy the ball. Get him the ball deep. Get him the ball in the middle of the field and get him the ball short. He's your playmaker, so get him the ball. Zach, um, because we just talked about this cold thing, I'm already having flashes of, like, Jerry Judy has, like, seven catches – um for 100 yards and a touchdown but he has three drops and people just won't let it go like i think like my version of hell when i when i finally get there is broncos receive like all i can do is watch awesome broncos receivers and not there's just thousands of people around me complaining about them dropping the ball once out of every 10 tries that's that's what happens when i get to hell I can't mm. like I tweeted out something uh you tweeted out the thing about uh Albert Okwebunam and Noah Fant playing together. I tweeted out a meme uh quote tweeting it and someone responded to me like yeah but he better not throw it to Okwebunam because <laughs> he can't catch. And I'm just like you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> this dude plays in his first ever NFL game and yes has some tough drops and we're already writing him off. My head this is my hell. Well, Brian, if it's hell, though, it'll be warm, and maybe they're catching the balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I just – that's like the curse of the Broncos. They're destined to have great receivers who have slightly above-average drop rates. Yep, yep. So who, who's in there? You got DT, of course. Right now you got Jerry, Judy, and Albert O. Yep, uh, I'm sure there's more, but those yeah, are sure. the – Jerry Judy and DT are like heading down the same path. Like, like I can just see, I can see it right now. Jerry Judy's walking across the stage to accept his gold jacket, and fans are just like, "But the drops!" <laughs> Man, uh, I can see this on Sunday now. He has a good game, and it's overshadowed by the drops. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm telling mm. you, this is. This is uh this is my 2020 right here. We need we need to stop speaking it into existence right now. That's true. Jerry G's never dropping another pass. <laughs> there we go. Bangkok Bronco rounded us out. Hey, gents, this game against the Chiefs is going to be a big test for our interior offensive ha offense having to deal with Chris Jones, unless I've missed something and he's still not healthy. But he was a full participant in practice this week. The Reisner injury makes it even more difficult. With that being said, do you see a game plan that contains more focus on outside runs and possibly some quick screens to get the ball out quickly in order to minimize his impact on the game? Also, I've got a rushing touchdown for Drew Locke as my 58-yard field goal. Thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend, and go Broncos. Double B, 
out. I think that's a great 58-yard field goal. I love that one. Love it. Um, I love the idea of outside runs. More outside zone for Philip Lindsay and, and more inside zone for Philip Lindsay too. Uh, I think you can – you know, I don't think Chris Jones – is a guy that you have to change your entire game plan for. But I think it's something you think of. And, yes, I like the idea of getting the ball out as fast as you can. Gosh, I am worried about him. And not just if Dalton Reisner is out. Dalton hasn't had the best season so far. And last week we saw Graham Glasgow get absolutely blown over when Drew Locke was sacked. So I'm very worried about Chris Jones. Yeah, no Dalton Reisner is tough in this one. Well, we don't know that for sure yet, right? We don't, no but probably not. Hasn't practiced uh, this week so far. All right. Well, if he plays, I will smile. And I'll want to have recently gone to Green Mountain Dental, so my (laughs) smile looks nice and white. Head on down to Green Mountain Dental. Get yourself a schedule, a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. Pretty darn awesome. Check it out. They're the best damn family on Dennis Group in the metro area, just right outside of downtown. So make sure you head down to Green Mountain Dental. But for us, that's going to wrap it up. Make sure you tune into the tailgate on Sunday morning. If not, we'll catch you right after the game.